Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome, welcome to the Bay Area Panthers Pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network, where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Grandy and Evan Giddings. Yes, it's episode number 12 of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. My name is Mark Grandy, joined by Evan Giddings as always. Evan, the Panthers on the road once again last week against the most uh, the most storied franchise in the IFL, a, a team that has been winning championships dating back to the previous league they were in, the AFL. And of course, that is... Uh, the Arizona Rattlers and the Panthers coming into the game with just one win. They were really, really competitive in that game. They fall 38-23. to We'll talk about that game, what it means for the Panthers moving forward. We'll take a look at the standings, things happening around the league. Focus on a couple of key contributors from that game and, and a couple of guys the Panthers will be leaning on as the season moves along. And then, of course, uh, we'll talk about what's coming up this coming weekend, which, guess what? It's another date with the Arizona Rattlers. Uh, but again, Evan, welcome back to the pod, episode number 12. Uh, a tough but a close loss. And I think ultimately, I know we're, we've been saying this a lot here on the pod this year, a loss but an encouraging result for the Panthers, considering you went up against uh, who you could make the case is the best team in the league and we're neck and neck really throughout the entire game. I'm glad you alluded to the Rattlers' pedigree because that's really what I was concerned about coming in. Everyone will tell you that heading into each game, you treat each event as it is an individual contest, but it's hard to not sort of you know, get into the mindset of, right, we're playing potentially the best team in the conference, we're playing the team that has the most success in this league and previous, they've been around. They're a staple in the indoor football realm. And so you're going into their building, and considering it was a five-point game with about 11.30 to play in the fourth quarter, obviously there are no wins in losses. But for a team that entered the, the game with an eight-game losing streak, to me, this was a fantastic sign for Kurt Bryan and company to see the type of improvements that they've made. The week before, they had finally gotten healthy, and... To me, it kind of that that chemistry, that cohesion that we saw in the week prior really played out against Arizona down in the desert, a team in which a lot of people, I think, expected on paper to kind of blow the doors off the Panthers, but that simply didn't happen. And as you mentioned before the, the podcast, Mark, you know, the head coach of Arizona even 
sort of reference the fact that they were playing at the Panthers' pace for a lot of that game. So the Bay Area Panthers dictated the tempo for a lot of it, and that to me is an encouraging sign of a team that's trying to get back into the win column, but most importantly, trying to impose their type of game on their opponents. And we saw them do it against arguably the best. Yeah, and I want to run through that quote from head coach Kevin Guy, head coach of the Arizona Rattlers. He caught up with the Rattlers broadcast team at halftime of that game when it was a really close game, 14-7 to in favor of Arizona, which in the IFL, it's a really rare score, especially for a team like Arizona. They're one of the highest scoring teams in the league. And head coach Kevin Guy told those Arizona broadcasters, by the way, they did a great job. Shout out a really good broadcast down there. He said that was, quote, the most boring game I've ever coached in my life at halftime. That's what he said about the first half. And then coming out of the halftime locker room, he said, quote, I had a lot more fun at halftime than in the first half. And he was visibly frustrated saying the Panthers Bay Area slowed the game down and Arizona just did not, you know, respond and speed the game up enough. That was the goal going into the second half. They certainly did it more, scoring 24 points in the second half after 14 in the first half. But when you have the opposing head coach, a guy with the pedigree of of Kevin Guy, who's won multiple championships, one here in the IFL and multiple in the AFL, the Arena Football League, I mean, that's as big of a compliment as you can give an opposing team, what what Kevin Guy said at halftime. No, it's a reflection on what the Panthers did in that first half. And as some could argue, maybe an indictment on the Arizona Rattlers, a team that had lost two of three coming into the game. And I'm sure the week of practice, they were hoping to speed things up and try and get right in a bounce back scenario against the Panthers. But look, Bay Area has shown themselves to be a team as well as an an organization that does not roll over. And so for me, looking like when I sat down to watch this game, I was very curious what was going to happen because there's the potential for them to get beat wire to wire. And then they come out and they score immediately. And so they almost show you right from the get go that they are in this thing, not to compete with the Rattlers, not to hang around, but to win the game. And to me, Now with an opportunity, we'll talk about it coming up ahead, but looking forward to this weekend where they get them again, to me, even though they lost the game, the Panthers almost roll into this weekend with more momentum against Arizona, a team that I think kind of underlooked or overlooked, I should say, what the Panthers had going on. Yeah, and you you mentioned that opening score. Bay Area got the ball to start. They come out. A a nice strike from quarterback Joe Newman to wide receiver Daniel Crowell Jr., 22 yards out. Extra point is good. Panthers lead 7-0 about three minutes into the game. And then, uh, you know, Arizona, they go on kind of a a lumbering drive, and they ultimately answer back 7-7 with about five and a half left in the first quarter. And no one scores then until eight seconds left in the first half. It was, you know, really a scoreless quarter and a half just about midway through the uh, first quarter and nearly all of the second quarter. Uh, Jamal Miles, uh, kind of a hybrid running back wide receiver for Arizona, scored from three yards out to make it 14-7 to at halftime. Um, but right before that, uh, or late in the first quarter, I should say, was kind of an opportunity for this game to swing. Tied 7-7, and the Panthers had the ball first and goal from the eight late in the first quarter. A low snap. It's been kind of the bugaboo for the Panthers all year. You know, 
the center on the offensive line, the long snapper, they have had issues. I will say it's been much better recently, but it did rear its ugly head once against Arizona last weekend. A low snap, it rolls past Newman. He picks it back up, you know, maybe 15, 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage, tries to make something out of it, ends up losing more yards, gets tackled down all the way at their own 14-yard line. So they go from first and goal at the Arizona 8, 8 yards until the end zone, all the way back to their own 14-yard line, a loss of 28 yards. They're now facing a second and goal from the uh, with 36 yards to go to the end zone. They ultimately get back to the 12-yard line in two plays. They, fourth, they, they face a fourth and goal from the 12. They attempt the field goal, and unfortunately it misses, so the game stays tied. That, along with a couple other plays that we'll get to, Evan, that one, one of the biggest momentum-shifting plays in the entire game. If that one goes differently, who knows how it ends? No, absolutely, especially with the way that the offense, and particularly Joe Newman, who I want to key on here, looked in that first quarter in the first half because, you know, you mentioned the opening drive touchdown. I thought he made a really impressive throw into a tight window to Daniel Corral Jr., who then took it up the field into the end zone for a 20-plus yard score. Like, he looked very comfortable in the pocket, not only because I'm sure of his progression, now having a lot more reps under his belt as the full-time quarterback, but also I thought the offensive line did a really good job at against a stout Rattlers defense of providing him a good pocket to maneuver in. And that's, what, that's to me why the snap was a little disappointing is because they had played so well to that mm-hmm. point. And in a lot of games so far this season... It's kind of been one mistake here and there that is, you know, ruined a drive or flipped the momentum for the other team. But to the Bay Area Panthers' credit, they didn't really let that affect them that much in the first half. And again, like we mentioned, it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. So I saw a lot of growth both physically as far as, you know, the Panthers shoring up some things up front. Newman looking a little more comfortable in the pocket. The running game they got back to and heavily put the ball on the ground against the Rattlers team that, at least in recent weeks, has been kind of iffy against the run. And then didn't let the mistakes, especially the physical ones, affect them and let that kind of domino effect hurt them long term because that that to me was the biggest issue during this losing streak is they would make a mistake and then the other team would capitalize and the Panthers would kind of let one thing turned into two bad things into three and before you know it it was a 20 point game that didn't really happen in the first Mm -hmm. half even though the missed snap was unfortunate because they had a chance to go up and take the lead and affirm their lead against the number one team yeah and it kind of seemed like it was heading in that direction a bit early in the second half you know it was 14 7 arizona at halftime you know they scored late there in that first half they come back out with the ball to start the third quarter and score on just three plays. So suddenly they lead by 14 points, 21 to 7, just a few minutes into the third quarter. And you're thinking, uh oh, here we go again if you're a Panthers fan. But no, Bay Area answers immediately. Just a couple of minutes later, Dwayne Gary scampers in from 17 yards. You mentioned the run game. He was able to run the ball really all game long. He scores from 17 yards out. Suddenly it's back to a seven point game, 21 to 14. But then the Arizona offense kind of starts getting in a rhythm. The reigning MVP of the IFL, Drew Powell, he runs in from a yard out. They're back up by two scores. Uh, But there was kind of a a key decision, a key play there before that touchdown. And right after the Dwayne Gary touchdown run, 
where it looked like Stevie Arteague, the Panthers kicker, I think was going for an onside kick, maybe trying to to catch uh, Arizona off guard. You know, looking at it, you know, on the IFL YouTube page, as I'm sure most of you guys listening watched if you weren't able to be down in Arizona, he, he got the top part of the ball looking like he was trying to spike it into the ground for a high bounce, and the ball just didn't quite bounce his way and bounced far away from the line of scrimmage meaning his team wasn't able to get to it. Ultimately, it turns into good Arizona field position. And as I mentioned, Drew Powell runs in from a yard out. So then suddenly it's back to a two-score game. But then Bay Area scores the next two times. They get a field goal and then a touchdown, another Daniel Crowell Jr. reception. They miss uh, they, they miss the two-point conversion attempt to get back within three. But suddenly they bounce back again and they're down by five points with you know, more than half a quarter left down in Arizona. It's just remarkable the number of times that they were able to bounce back after things didn't go their way against the best team in the league. Well, and that's where the resiliency for me has been been huge, at least to see their their growth. Like, obviously, the, the record is what it is. It's not great. But in this game, they showed me something that I hadn't seen before, which was a willingness to sort of embody this next play mentality again a lot of times in in the course of this losing streak it isn't that they completely folded but i think in a lot of scenarios you, you could kind of see them again you mentioned it the, the here we go again factor and it's it's hard to escape like when you're in in such a you know a, a tough spot as far as losing games you're just you're looking for answers and a lot of times the answers are very simple. They're, they're not as complicated as you think. And the Panthers, to me, in, in this scenario against, like you mentioned, as we've talked about, a tough team, a team with pedigree, a team that has aspirations to go and win the IFL championship after coming so close last year, they did not fold. And they bounced back against a team that had them dead to rights, had the MVP, reigning MVP of the league, and they even held him in check. I mean, Drew Powell... In the previous couple of weeks, was averaging around 270 yards. He had 11 touchdowns in the previous two games. Now I know four total is not, you know, a great number, but compared to what he did, like their game plan coming in was to make sure that Drew Powell did not kill them. He didn't. I know they won the game, and it ended up being a two-score, multiple-score game, but they did a fantastic job of implementing their game plan. And it seems like in recent weeks, actually, now thinking about it defensively they've they've tried to sort of hone in on the number one weapon on the opposite side whether it's been a wide receiver a running back a quarterback and for the most part they've been able to take them out of the game so you know drew powell had his numbers he had over 100 plus yards he didn't really do much damage in terms of yardage on the ground but he had those two scores from the one yard line so you know they, they've demonstrated an ability to implement their game plan I, I think their scouting report has been pretty good considering the results that they've had you know, now it's just about figuring out down the stretch of these games, how can we finish? Because unfortunately, since week one, they haven't done it. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about Drew Powell's stat line. I know maybe it doesn't mean, you know, a great podcast content, but 14 to 23, 157 yards, two touchdowns, two touchdowns on the ground as well. No interceptions, but there were a couple of throws that the Panthers had covered completely perfectly that didn't you know, results in in touchdowns, or pardon me, that didn't result in turnovers. There was one in the first half, early in the second quarter, 
Elijah Bell, who we're going to you know focus on here in just a minute, he had a ball. Uh, he was defending a comeback route, and he beat the receiver to the ball, maybe a bit of a late throw by Drew Powell. The ball bounces off his hands and down to the turf. If he intercepts that ball, it's very likely a pick six. Suddenly, Bay Area has the lead 14-7 to in the second quarter. There was also a moment late in the game where Nicholas Brazel dropped uh, what would be uh, what would have been an interception as well. There was a lot of room in front of him. Not sure he would have been able to return it all the way back for a touchdown as well. Um, but I think, you know, I say all that just, just to show that Drew Powell, two touchdowns throwing, no interceptions, it's not always really indicative of how a player played or how a defense fared against him because Bay Area was right there with a couple of huge potential interceptions that just unfortunately bounced off their hands. But you have to take that into consideration, I think, when you talk about how this defense performed. Yes, those are plays that you really would like them to make defensively, but at least those players and those defensive backs were in position to make a play on the ball in the first place. No, I'm glad you mentioned the you know, the the performance of the defense, especially in the past, because that was something they got hurt a lot on kind of, you know, weeks two through five through the year. There was a lot of broken plays, a lot of deep passes, a lot of chunk plays created by the other team. But in, in recent weeks, I think they've actually been pretty good at limiting some of the best quarterbacks in the IFL. You know, looking at Caleb Barker last week, he had his way, but it wasn't necessarily efficient through the year. The week before that at home, or two weeks before that at home after the bye week at, in San Jose, you're looking at Ramon Atkins, who yeah. wasn't really that sharp against a Barry Panthers pass defense. And that was the best pass offense in the league at that point. Number one coming in. So, you know, they've, they've demonstrated an ability to play well and kind of stay step for step with, with receivers. Uh, Powell, you know, broke loose on a couple of plays on the ground that were sort of broken. He had a little more time in the pocket. You know, but but this pass defense has demonstrated that they can they can kind of limit what the uh, the opposition likes to do, especially against some of the best passers in the league. And then switching, I'm curious what you thought about Joe Newman's performance because to me, even though he only passed the ball ten times, that that's kind of what I imagine the Bay Area Panthers offense looking like when it's functioning correctly. Uh, Brian talked about even before the season wanting to implement sort of a 70-30, a 60-40 run-to-pass type offense. And for them to have you know 20-plus attempts on the ground, 10 through the year, and be within striking distance yeah. at the end of the game, I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah, I agree. I think it was honestly I, probably Joe Newman's best performance. You mentioned only 10 attempts through the air, 6 of 10 but generally pretty big chunks. He had a 22-yard completion. That was one of the touchdowns to Daniel Crowell Jr. They they can uh, they hooked up on two separate occasions in the end zone. Uh, so 6 of 10, 85 yards passing, two touchdowns, and the big number, no turnovers for him. Uh, didn't throw an interception, did not put the ball on the ground when he was running either four carries for 18 yards. One of them was a scamper for 12 yards that was really acrobatic, featured a, a nice spin move um, as well. So I would argue Joe Newman's best outing as this team's starting quarterback, and we're we're starting to see him now kind of stack quality performances on top of each other. Unfortunately, it hasn't resulted in a win yet, but I, I do think we see him, and as a result, you know, you know, a football team kind of goes as their quarterback goes. As a result, this team is stacking better performances on top of each other as well. But really, you know, 
you know, and we'll, we'll focus here on a couple key players in a moment. One more positive I want to make sure we hit on. You mentioned it, you know, near the top of the of the podcast, Evan. The run game. I mean, th- that was what they relied on all game. And as you mentioned, it's it's what you know, Coach Kurt Bryan has been talking about all year as the backbone of this team. Twenty two carries as a team, seventy four yards. That's about three and a half per carry. Um, they had a seventeen yard run by Dwayne Gary. That was his touchdown. Um, Dwayne Gary uh, himself, 14 for 48 and a touchdown, about three and a half, the same as the team average there. When this team fell behind the sticks, they, there were some penalties, um, you know, some some tough breaks. They didn't feel the need to pass because they were running the ball so well, and Dwayne Gary got those yards back, got them, you know, in third and fourth and manageables. Um, you know, Daniel Crowell Jr. was great receiving the ball, but Dwayne Gary may be your most reliable offensive player in that loss. Especially after 12 carries last week, 14 this week. Dwayne, you know, we saw him earlier in the year saying, give me the ball. Yeah. I want it. I want to be the workhorse for this team. And this week, I, I thought he, he took some strides. I mean, the, the three and a half yards per carry isn't necessarily indicative because uh, to me, what, I, what I've looked at and what I think is most important for the Panthers offense when they try to run the football effectively is how are you running the ball on first down? Are you not putting yourself in a compromising position where the defense can kind of get simplistic and either key in on the run or key in on the pass, depending on how far you are from the sticks? I think I don't have any exact numbers from what I was watching. It seemed to me that on first down, there were some positive plays. Most importantly, they weren't going backwards. They weren't setting themselves up for you know, a, a, a deep throw, sort of a Hail Mary, which Newman has completed at points in this season. But again, you don't allow the defense to set up the way they want. They made Arizona feel uncomfortable, especially in that first half. And even the first quarter, I know it's going to sound strange, but weirdly, they dominated in a way. In terms of yardage, it was 56-40, to 40, and that was with the fumbled play that you mentioned at the top of the pod going from the 8-yard line all the way back to the 14, which obviously hurts that Negative total 28. Yard. Negative 28. So you tack that on. Like They looked very good in that first quarter, and especially in the first half, and I think it's because of how well they dominated on the ground. Yep, I agree. And I think, you know, you look at one one moment in that game, you don't have to look any further than the first three plays from scrimmage in this game uh, to, to kind of get an idea of what this Panthers team likes to do on offense. Before the first snap of the game, a false start penalty on Bay Area. So it pushed him back first and 15, then a 14-yard rush by Dwayne Gary, followed by two one-yard rushes by Dwayne Gary. So he gets almost all back on the first time and then gets you a first down eventually. Then their first throw after three straight runs, the 22-yard strike to Daniel Crowell Jr. That's exactly what you want. And that's, I think, you know, we talk about head coaches scripting drives. That seemed to go to script. A big gain by Dwayne Gary, get a, a fresh set of downs. The defense is thinking about Dwayne Gary. And then you beat them down the field for a touchdown through the air, and it was set up by Dwayne Gary. No, it was it was both through the air as well as the ground. And also a, a key moment for me, Mark, and the second drive of the game, at least as far as the the progression, we're talking about how Joe Newman, you know, potentially had his best game as quarterback for this team. And where I saw just a lot of growth from him was this particular play. It was about three thirty left in the first quarter, third and five. Newman, there was a broken pocket. 
pass rusher, extra blitzer, gets to him. He rolls out to his right. And that's a play that, at least up until this point, I was expecting Newman just to take off, try and use his legs to get the first down marker. But there was a guy in front of him. And instead, he pulls up, sets his feet, takes a little crow hop into a beautiful ball delivered to Crowell Jr. on the sideline who made a contested catch. That, to me, is the mark of a quarterback who is who truly feels like the game is slowing down, which what that's what we heard a couple of weeks ago, but that was the first time I really, I think I saw it. I mean, I trust Newman that the game in his mind is slowing down, but visually, from a, you know, a bird's eye view from the broadcast booth, from the YouTube broadcast, that was the first time where I really felt like, okay, Newman's got control of the situation. He's not, like, the moment is not too big for him, and he made a big play that unfortunately didn't result in points, but those are the type of plays I want to see him make more consistently. Yeah, I agree. I'm really glad you brought that point up. A really, really good example, I think, of the growth of Joe Newman. So again, a tough loss for Bay Area to Arizona. They fall Again, by the final score of 38-23, to 23. Bay Area now 1-9 and nine on the year. Arizona improves to 8-2. and two. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's focus here on a couple of players, and these are some newer names uh, that we want to dive into here, both on the defensive side of the ball. First of all, uh, a linebacker. Uh, Clayton Glasgow, who uh, originally, um, you know, was added to the roster and, you know, started playing because of an injury to DJ Calhoun a number of weeks ago, but he's kind of proven himself and is earning more and more time now that the Panthers are healthy. I mean, Calhoun's been back now for a couple of games. You know, we haven't seen some of the others as much. You know, Jeffrey Allison, of course, is is one of the stars here Brandon Dabney kind of plays that joker hybrid linebacker defensive back position, but Clayton Glasgow he's been a, a, a constant now in this uh, in this defense for a couple of weeks. And you look at what he did this last weekend, Evan. I mean, he led the team in tackles with eight. I mean, that's what you're going to get when you're a linebacker in the IFL, most likely. You know, you play a lot of snaps in the middle of the field. You're going to make a lot of tackles, but still, for a guy that wasn't on the active roster until, you know, a month ago or so, 
I mean, he's he's been a, re- a revelation the last couple of weeks. And I'm glad he's had a chance to contribute because this was a guy that we had heard in camp was sort of a tough decision whether he was going to get released or not. And from the de- the defensive coordinator, Derek Chachere, he told me there was a lot of guys defensively who he, he wanted to keep on the roster, but due to the, the 25-man constraints, you kind of need to, as we've discussed over the course of these this podcast, you need to keep guys that can fill multiple roles. And Glasgow, although he was a fantastic you know, potential linebacker and a guy who we've seen make plays so far, he didn't necessarily affect as many other areas. And so he was a tough decision, but by all you know, by all looks at it, he's been a great fit in terms of the culture as well as his performance. He's a guy, he's a guy that, you know, at least from what we've heard from Kurt Bryant, has been great off the field as well as on it. And for him to step in, especially a couple weeks ago with DJ Calhoun coming out, based on what Calhoun has done in terms of his production, you could argue Glasgow is stepping into the most important role defensively yeah. on the field. Now, he's maybe not calling out the plays and you know moving guys around, but he's integral to what the Panthers want to do defensively. So for him to step into that spot, perform admirably, and then get better each of the couple in the next couple of weeks now, I think he's found himself a nice little role and has been a great addition to the Panthers' who at least for the first half of their season really struggled defensively, especially in that spot without DJ Calhoun. Yeah, and at the very least, I mean, I think Kurt Bryan and company, Derek Chachere, the defensive coordinator, whether or not, you know, all these linebackers are on the active rosters than they're playing, at the very least, I think this Barrier Panthers team knows that they have more depth at that linebacker spot than maybe they previously thought. Again, that's Clayton Glasgow out of Pickerington, Ohio. He went to uh, Monroe College before transferring to Indiana State, and he's out here uh, performing very well uh, for these Bay Area Panthers in the IFL. Uh, One other defender we should focus on here before we turn our attention to kind of league-wide for a second, Evan. It's Elijah Bell, a defensive back from Plainfield, New Jersey. Uh, He went to a D3 college in New York, Utica College, um, and he also was added to the roster before week nine against Duke City, same as Clayton Glasgow. Didn't play as much in that game, if my memory serves. Uh, and he also wasn't on the team's training camp roster before the final cuts were made for the opening game. So he's kind of newer to this whole idea, the, the Bay Area Panthers in general. Uh, but with an unfortunate injury, Evan, we learned last week, Rayshon Pringle one of the stars defensively, a special team stud as well. He is unfortunately out for the season with a femoral stress fracture. You need someone to step up defensively in the defensive backfield. And it looked like, you know, a guy stepping into some more snaps was Elijah Bell. We talked about, you know, he played a ball perfectly in that first half. The ball, though, bounced out of his hands. It could have been a pick six. Uh, You want him to grab it, obviously, but he was in the right place defensively. And he's going to get some more opportunities now with, you know, that spot vacated by Pringle's injury. And he should because he's a guy that has had, you know, kind of an interesting route to this point. He was added the roster before the Duke City game in Week 9. He is a rookie in the IFL, but he started this season with Tucson. So he does have some experience playing against some of those opponents, especially in the Western Conference. And with the Sugar Skulls, he was kind of in and out. So now he gets an opportunity to really you know, try and, and flex 
what he's made of, which is at a hundred at six one hundred and ninety-five pounds. Like he he's he's kind of got good size for a DB. And based on what he did at Utica, I know a lot of people are gonna throw the D three thing at me. But <laughs> as a member of the D three community, I hate to toot my own horn here, but I was rooting for this guy to play well. You know, the D three athletes out there were a dime a dozen. Not a lot of us get a chance to play at the next level. Elijah Bell is one of those guys. And at Unica He's the school's all-time leader in interceptions, return yards, and he owns a single-season record for pass breakups. So this guy, granted, at his level, was a dominant defensive back. And that's why I'm sure he was actually, he was probably pretty pissed off that he didn't catch that ball because he has caught a plenty in his career, and it went right through his hands. So I'm sure he's hit, he's hurting himself more than anyone could try and kill him otherwise because, you know, he's he's taken multiple balls to the house throughout of his life. I'm sure that's what he kind of prides himself on as yeah. being a guy who can create points on defense. And so for him to come in, you know, and and sort of just sort of, you know, seamlessly move into that defensive back role, I'm excited to see what he can do when he doesn't, what in in some of the the cases, especially in the Duke City game, I thought he you know maybe was trying to do a little bit too much, and everyone's trying to establish why they're meant to be on the roster. But I think from the first three games that we've seen, Elijah Bell has demonstrated that he deserves to be with the Panthers. Yeah, and the the starters defensively, the defensive back starters were Elijah Bell, Nicholas Brazel, and Brazel has been a mainstay in the defense for much of the year, and then. Jaron Bryant, who's also a little new to, to this team, but he was added to the roster and has been active a, a week or two longer uh, than Elijah Bell. So uh, happy uh, to see the impact that Elijah Bell is having, and as you mentioned, D3 represent. I also want to clarify something. I did not play Division three football. <laughs> baseball. Baseball, yes. I'm small in stature, <laughs> not in size whatsoever. Elijah Bell is what we're hoping that we can achieve. You got a good you got a good arm though. Maybe you could throw the football around. I used to have a good arm and uh, <laughs> I got about 20 good bullets left in me one Sunday every 6 months. <laughs> All right. Uh let's move on here in the Bay Area Panthers pod again part of the 957 the game podcast network. Again, uh Bay Area they uh, fell over this past weekend to Arizona. This was week 12 of IFL action. Uh, some of the other results from around the IFL, specifically in the West uh, Western Conference, Northern Arizona, they beat Tucson. They come from behind, and they win 34-32. to I think, you know, the Arizona Rattlers had their eyes on that game. In fact, for about a day, Northern Arizona was alone in first place by half a game because they played on Saturday. They won their game barely against uh, Tucson, 34-32. to Arizona then, they play the next day on Sunday. They beat Bay Area, and they move back into a tie with Northern Arizona atop the Western Conference standings. But maybe a little more pertinent to the Bay Area Panthers, it's how did the San Diego Strike Force do? How did the Vegas Nighthawks do? And how did the Duke City Gladiators do? Well, Duke City beat San Diego, so you can add another L to San Diego. And Frisco, the number one team in the East, they beat Vegas. So good news for the Panthers is both San Diego and Vegas lost. Um, and, you know, you look at the, the standings now, Bay Area again, you know, in the in the last spot, 1-9. They're 1-7 in conference, tied with San Diego, 1-7 in conference. Vegas a couple of games up at 3-4, and four, then Duke City at 5-3 five and, uh, and, and and Tucson at five and four as well, but 
A couple of positive positive results for Bay Area. Vegas and San Diego fall. You know, you have to get past both of them and then one other team if you want to make the playoffs. As every week passes, the Bay Area Panthers desperately need to win more and more, but it's still right there in front of them. Yeah, six games left, you know, roughly three games back as far as that last playoff spot to get. And at least the good news is, you're pretty much playing all conference opponents. You only have one out of conference in Massachusetts, second to last game of the season. The rest will be against the West. And so, granted, you you know, you get one against San Diego, you get one against Vegas, you get two against Tucson. So, you know, you, you have a chance to sort of climb up the rankings against some of the teams that aren't necessarily at the top. Obviously, yeah. Arizona's this weekend. That's a tough matchup. But you're done with Northern Arizona. You're done with, with Duke City. And so the rest of the teams that you're playing against are very beatable. And hopefully, I think that the Panthers, you know, we've talked about them building on certain positives throughout games. Well, th- this is, a, I think, a, more of a complete effort that you can build on this week. And it, I'm glad that it, it culminated against the number one team in the conference and historically in the league. So, you know, to me, that that's that's a huge mental win for them that if they can go into this weekend and then continue that, take a step forward, the rest of their schedule, even though it's not going to be easy, you got three road games in a row after this weekend, you know, it is kind of favorable matchups when it comes to conference opponents. So, you know, it's it's not an easy task. It's an uphill task. Three back, six games left, but it's still within reach for the Panthers. Certainly is. And, you know, you look at those standings again. You mentioned two games against Tucson. I think that's, you know, as good of news as as you could wish for if you're a Bay Area Panthers fan because, you know, obviously things can change, you know, in, in the next couple of weeks. But you look at who you might have to pass to get into the playoffs. It's San Diego. It's Vegas. And my guess is probably Tucson. Tucson right now 5-4 and four in conference. Duke City 5-3. and three, And they are playing much better football lately. They've won three games in a row Tucson 5-4, and four. so they're a half game behind Duke City. Of course, they've played an extra game than Duke City in conference at this point, so that'll get evened up eventually. But you look you know, at that game coming up for Bay Area against Tucson in two weeks' time on the road, and then the last game of the year, Tucson at home. So if you you know get a bit of a streak going, maybe you beat Tucson on the road, going to be really tough against Arizona this week, but you follow that up maybe with a tough, hard-fought win against Tucson. Then you have a couple of of certainly winnable games. San Diego, who you've already beaten. Vegas, who has struggled recently. They did control the game um, the first time around when those two teams met, but you got a couple of winnable games there. Massachusetts at home will be tough, but then a home date against Tucson, and who knows, if things go well from, from this point on until that last game of the regular season, maybe that could be a, a do-or-die, make-or-break game for the final game of the regular season. Well, I hope so. And you want to come back at home with a chance to, you know, whether it's win the conference, get into the playoffs, wherever your season is going to be decided, you're hoping that it's going to be at home. So that three-game road stretch between June 11th and July 2nd is going to be big for them because it kind of decides where their season's going to end, and then they'll have a chance at home for the last two home games of the season to determine what note it ends on. So whether it's competing for a playoff game, whether it's trying to you know work towards next season, 
like we'll we'll have a, a firm idea throughout the road stretch where they're going to be at. But like you mentioned, I don't think you could ask for a better scenario at this point, considering what they've faced so far this season. Like they, they've had a very difficult schedule to this point, and coming off two road games against the two best teams in the conference. Like those are the toughest games in their schedule. So you can make the argument that they're past the toughest point and from Hill it's it's not downhill, but it's much easier of a slate than what they've faced in recent weeks. Yeah, and I think, you know, you come off a, a, a slate like that at Northern Arizona, at Arizona, you think, "All right, we're going to come, you know, out of that road trip, you know, beat and battered, maybe a couple of of blowout losses. We're going to be, you know, questioning if this is a thing that we can still do, you know, that might be, you know, the thought of, of the most pessimistic Panthers fan heading into that trip. You come out, yes, with two losses, but especially this most recent one, a really competitive game against the dominant force in the IFL. And you're feeling, I think, as confident as ever. So kind of interesting the way that the stories change after a really tough part of the schedule and uh, we'll see if the Panthers can uh, can turn it around. They got Arizona again coming up this week, and then, as you mentioned, uh, on the road for three straight. I also do want to add, you know, they are coming home with health. Like, that's been the most important thing, I think, for me this season is they've been battered up so much. So the fact that they went through the gauntlet and they walked out, at least to our knowledge, very healthy with a complete team is great news for them. Uh, also want to add one addition and subtraction from the roster at this point wide receiver Cameron Pleasant who was not featured in the game over the weekend against Arizona that's because he's been released from the team and they have added a new wide receiver Isaiah Thomas who's you know explosive in college he was a first team all-conference player as as a wide receiver as well as a returner we don't know a ton about him at this point because we haven't seen him play but I'm looking forward to what he will do because it seems like you know this roster has shifted a lot this season that's there's no doubt about it but the guys that Kurt Bryan and the people in the front office have brought in, to me, appear to be great culture fits. They seem to be willing to work as hard as possible. You know, we're looking at guys like Dwayne Gary, who wasn't on the opening day roster. Guys like Dre Sante Dorton, who has done a pretty good job, had a catch for 17 yards this weekend against Arizona. Guys on defense, as we've highlighted, Clayton Glasgow, Elijah Bell. There's been a lot of turnover this year, but it seems like Kurt Bryan has finally developed a, a, a group of guys that at least he's willing to ride or die with these last six weeks. Yeah, I think the one exception to the health is Rayshon Pringle, unfortunately, out for the year. That is a big loss, but as we talked about, uh, the Panthers do have a couple of guys uh, filling uh, you know, the hole left by Rayshon Pringle's injury. And then one last note I want to get in. You got my, uh, you know, the gears turning in my head with those, you know, additions. Uh, welcome back to Larry Ross. We saw him play for the first time this week, started at one of the defensive end spots. Um, he was he was good in the game, had, you know, one tackle. But from what I remember, it was a really big tackle on the edge, um, you know, hit one of the defenders into the sidewall and and kind of kind of set the tone. Uh, in that game. So welcome back, Larry Ross. Another big body up front for the Bay Area Panthers. Certainly a welcome sight, and we hope to see more of him uh, as the season does move along. Again, coming up this weekend on Saturday, the Bay Area Panthers are back at home at SAP Center. It's a 6.05 kickoff. If you can't make it down to SAP, which we highly suggest you do, 
If you haven't yet, you can head to BayAreaPanthers.com for tickets. Very cheap to get into this game. It's affordable, family fun. We suggest you come out, watch the Bay Area Panthers and the Arizona Rattlers as they continue to renew the Bay Area-Arizona indoor football rivalry dating back uh, to the Sabercats days. 6.05 kickoff on Saturday, the 4th of June. Again, if you can't make it out to SAP, you'll be able to hear the game right here on 95.7 The Game. Well, that'll do it here for episode number 12 of the Bay Area Panthers pod. Again, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. For my partner, Evan Giddings, this is Mark Randy signing off. Thanks so much for listening. We're back next week with more right here on the Bay Area Panthers pod. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.